As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, colleague, and friend, Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing great, as usual, ready to talk some basketball. Uh, we've spent a lot of time churning through the G League Ignite film. I, I tweeted this, but a small like tidbit of that I've enjoyed while scouting Ignite is you just get to check in on players that you don't really see that often. Someone was killing in the game I was watching this morning. Look up the roster, Malik Newman. Malik Newman had a column 30 piece in the yeah, game. Yeah, in the in the chart. Awesome. 
he was awesome. Uh, and just circling back, I we caught Saban Lee and I caught Saban Lee and Livers and in the uh, Cruise, I think they're called uh, the mm-hmm. Detroit G League affiliate team. Um, so just fun experience. Um, I I think we've had some people clamor that we should talk ignite. So here we go. That is that is today's pod. Yeah, we're talking G League ignite and and to get to, to usher on the same same part there. It was the third game of the season that ignite played. It was right around there they played uh, Iowa Caliente. Um, and it was Serge Ibaka playing because he was coming back from back, back surgery. So it was like Michael Foster trying to take on Serge Ibaka on both ends. And that was an experience for him, for sure, uh, which we'll get into more. But, um, yeah, I think the first prospect we can really dive into, because this is who was highest uh, in, in most of the early cycle big boards, um, that's Jaden Hardy. Uh, I believe he was mocked around top five once the season like before the season kicked off um i don't remember entirely i know people had him up there um how do you want to get started with this uh, I, I guess first thing we should talk about is him as a shooter right i think it has to start with him as a shooter um i think it's kind of widely accepted that he is a combo i, I don't think we're kind of projecting him as a lead guard anymore while he has had some interesting passing flashes, and we're going to talk about those later, much more reactive as in wraparounds or driving kicks, not necessarily moving the defense or making those advanced reads and pick and roll. So I think it really has to start with the shooting. Uh, that's the main sell. That's always kind of been the sell of him as this nuclear pull-up guy. Maybe you could, someone you could run, we talked about in our first podcast, going him throwing him off the ball, maybe running him off some pin downs or staggers to leverage him as a movement shooter. Uh, but at some point, if you're going to be a big-time shooter, the shots need to fall, and they unfortunately haven't this year. Uh, he might be a better shooter than the numbers represent this year. He is shooting 88% at the foul line, which is a very good indicator, but three-pointers are falling at just a 27% clip on very high volume. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's getting them up, but, I mean, the numbers aren't really there, and he has, on film, has had a lot of bad misses, air balls, long, left to right, Um so I'm curious on your take on this because I kind of threw out his high school priors on Twitter about probably a month ago and caught some shade for it. Uh, so I want to know where you're at on his shooting. That guy, Jake Rosen. Yeah. Um, I don't really know where I want to come down on it officially, um, which is a really nice way of hedging it. But um, <laughs> like, our, our, well, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of an underhanded compliment and not intentionally, but like I'm more interested in like the fact that he's able to create the space that he does than, than the actual shooting. And I think that's because he's not making the shots. Like his space creation can be very good off, you know, off pull-ups. Like he's very comfortable off pull-ups. He's not comfortable hitting, but he's comfortable in getting to his pull-ups, um, comfortable in step backs, comfortable in side steps. I think the footwork is really good. Um, yes. But the making is not. And I think part of it has just been the size. Like, I think he was billed as 6'4 coming into the year. He does they not have him. Four. Yeah, they have him listed at 6'4. I like, lean he towards looks maybe 6'2. Um, and I don't mean that to be. Oh, you a think total he's that small? He does not okay. look. I mean, maybe 6'3. I don't know. But like, he looks very small yeah, on, on the court. Like, he has, a, he has a very big wingspan for sure. He's got a stocky frame. But. Um, one of the issues that's really popped up for me, like he doesn't get a lot of space. I mean, not space. He doesn't really get a lot of height on his, on his shots. And I think that's definitely been an issue for him, um, with ignite and playing in the G league. I do want to say too, not again, not to just completely hedge things, but this goes for him and all the other prospects, just so I don't say it at the same time. I mean, say it, you know, five separate times. Um, I do think the overall spacing for ignite is just awful. Like, I mean, no shit. I think every single guy 
that is a prospect on the team shooting below 30% from three right now. Um, the way that teams guard them, like routinely get it. I mean, anybody who has the ball is getting double teamed because nobody cares about the shooting on the team. But it also feels like, too, um, like I do think it is worth noting how different it would be to go from a high school contest or just like what you're used to seeing in high school and the speed of the game and the way guys are closing out on you to, to what it would be like in the G League. You don't get that buffering of college. So it's another added wrinkle with it. Um, but like, I mean, again, like Jalen Green shot really quite well last year. So it's not um, it's not a totally fair comparison, but I do think it is something, you know, worth throwing in for sure. Um I think he's definitely a better shooter than he's built, but I, I, I mean, I certainly have questions about just how good of a shooter he is um, in general, for sure. Yeah. For me, it's just, it's about like, we all, we always talk about the word like threshold, like you have to a certain yeah. threshold. And I think while it's sort of overdrawn out, like there is not a percentage that, Oh, if Jaden Hardy doesn't hit this bar, he fails. It's not necessarily true. However, there is a large part of his game that relies on how effective and prolific he is as a pull-up shooter, which is shown by his overall field goal percentage. He has struggled to make jumpers and he's shooting, he's converting on just 35% of his field goals. That is not very good, uh, no matter what level you're playing at. And I will give him a little bit of a pass because it is the jump from high school to G League. And it's even harder for him because he didn't really get an official AAU in high school season. So it's, he's kind of coming off of, impromptu he played a little bit it was like air nato he played in a couple games on espn but didn't even get to go from like eybl um he kind of just got thrown into the fire with g league so i will give him a little i don't want to say a pass but i understand that especially with contests and size it's it can be a little bit more difficult but i i just worry that there is someone in compared to someone we've talked about in the past like tai tai uh, tai tai's game also is very reliant on his jumper and the pull-up but tai tai makes them like he makes a shit ton of jumpers. And of course the contests are different college and G league. I'm well aware of that. But I just think there is a very, very high level of shooter that Jaden Hardy needs to be uh, to kind of achieve this high end outcome. And I worry that projecting him to hit that is sort of unfair and irrational. Well, all right. Well, can we talk about one of the areas of, of his game that I really do like that, I think uh, is, I mean, to me is one of the more impressive skills that the Ignite guys have shown, like some of the stuff he's able to do weaving through traffic off of like his ground coverage. Like I am not going to compare him to Bradley Beal, but that similar, like kind of leapfrog ability, like um, his strides and ability to take like one dribble and then, you know, like two quick strides, get to the rim. Like he's really good at doing that. Uh, the finishing is another question, but like, I do think he's shown some really intriguing stuff. Um, as an interior driver, that is worth noting for sure. Um, and that can kind of feed into the playmaking. But um, like the, I mean, I think it just speaks overall to his footwork in general. His footwork is really damn good and impressive, which I guess, like, I mean, that's part of like, I, I imagine there is some aesthetic bias to Hardy as a shooter because it looks so good until it misses. But like, um, and I, again, I don't mean that as shape, but it's just like he, he is a very skilled basketball player. It's just going to be about like, you know, what level of shooter it actually does come out to. So the footwork, I do want to talk about the driving and creation a little bit. The footwork, we hit on it with him, sidesteps. His gathers are super smooth as a shooter. Um, and that translates when he's in the pick and roll. His handle is super good. I threw up a clip from the game against charge he had a really good possession set up the ball screen snatch back and then hit a pocket pass um his handle he consistently has 
good handling flashes and is able to make up for his lack of burst and just sheer, sheer downhill speed, as we're going to talk about with these handles. His hezzies are good. He's impressive at leveraging. Def- like he's able to leverage his pull up, even if it doesn't go in as much. The volume is still there where he gets defenders to bite and just playing out of that high hands and then getting downhill to the rim on the rare occurrences that he does finish at the rim and gets all the way there. Um, it's usually leveraged out of his jumper, which totally fine. Like leverage all of those skills and then allow that to overcompensate for your weaknesses. Um, I do want to talk about the finishing because it all kind of comes back to what do you think can be developed? Jaden Hardy, again, I do want to keep comparing him to Ty Ty a little bit because I think they're very similar bets. Ty Ty does not get to the rim. He straight out like can't do it. Hardy can. Hardy gets there. Getting there is not the problem. He, as you said, he has the footwork, the handling craft. He's good change of pace. He gets there. He just gets smothered and can't elevate and lacks, I think, the craft. Other than a couple instances here and there to really finish and overcompensate for that lack of burst. So is this something that you can see improving as he gets to the league? Um, I, I mean, I just like that he can get there. I, I do think that's yeah. the kind of thing like we I think we talked about this in the last pot or maybe when we talked about Blake Wesley, but um, like getting there is a big is a big part of the equation because that's not really something that you can just say, OK, get to the rim, you know, so like having that good. Can you work on pacing? And I think that's where it gets interesting for me, because I do think he's a guy like we talked about, not super bursty. Um, his main I mean, his main flashes as an athlete are through his strength. Like He's incredibly strong for his size. Um, so I do think there's stuff there like, okay, if he starts doing a lot more East West and, um, you know, uh, can he generate some stuff there? And I think even then, like some of his better moments attacking the rim are coming off of second side actions or, or doing things off the catch. And I think that's where I'm more intrigued with him than anything necessarily, you know, not, I, I do think he's definitely an on-ball guy, like, but, um, just saying, like, I do think having that helps because even Ty Ty, like we've seen him attacking closeouts is not necessarily like, he, he's not even getting in the room off though. So having that, I just, I do like that aspect, even if it's not going to be anything that I think is like a concrete plus in the NBA. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I do, you know, we've talked and been dead honest about where I stand on the shooting um, and then the passing, which we'll get to, but I do want to be very transparent. Like his handle is impressive and definitely a noteworthy thing more times than not when you watch at night. And it was especially apparent throughout the season Uh, i think early on in the year he was really struggling to find that change of pace find his footing of course makes sense you basically get thrust into the fire from half competitive high school basketball into the g league where you have grown men fighting for their jobs and to try to get to the nba makes sense that he was a little overwhelmed and i think his progression as a driver was something that kind of reeled me back in a little bit and gave me hope after the binge that we, we talked about this week, I'm a little lower because just the end result, I, I kind of see the same thing over and over again, fails to get any lift engulfed by by shot blockers and just doesn't have the craft just yet. And that's something I'm a little bit lower on you just being able to develop. But I, I do want to acknowledge that his handle and ability to, as we said, get to the rim shouldn't be understated. Yeah, definitely. Um well, let's transition to talking about his playmaking because I do think that's uh, that's another important aspect. Um, I mean, it's not something that I would call bad, but it's like you said earlier. I think it's all very reactive. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, reactive. Like, he's not making a lot of um, advanced reads that are happening before. It's all you know after he does something 
something opens up or doesn't open up. And um, but I do think he's a fine passer. A lot of it's just the ball placement isn't great. Like he'll see things once he um, once he gets downhill or once he gets to the interior and then makes the read. But um, like I don't think it's anything crazy. But I do think too, like with him. I mean, I envision him more as like a guy who really starts to thrive in pick and roll and works well with the screener um, and just ironing out a lot of those more mechanical reads, which I think he already has some of them down. Um, but yeah, a lot of it's just working on the ball placement because that is, I mean, part of that, it's an issue for the entire night squad, but yeah, his, his ball placement can be a little bit all over the place. Yeah. To me, I mean, he, it really excels as a drop-off and wraparound passer to me. Yeah. I think that's where. And they don't he, feel grenade which I like. No, no, I, I genuinely would say he's good there. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I didn't, I didn't think you meant, but like, I think there are a lot of guys who are drivers that are just like, oh shit, I'm smothered at the rim. Here's the ball, yeah. like it, like yeah. So mm-hmm. and he's not like that, which I appreciate. So he's had. It's funny because if you would have just thrown together like a compilation of all his drop offs and wraparounds and just shown me that, I'd be like, oh, this dude's an advanced passer. Now yeah. we understand that he's not hasn't shown that process and extrapolated that into kickouts or manipulated reads and all that however he's not just driving and doing a lay down he has shown some advanced deliveries whether that be extending the play and kind of jump it like i love when guys jump out of bounds to get an angle and kind of yeah. just like hang in the air and wrap it around he's shown real ability there uh, i am a little hesitant of as i said extrapolating that outside because the process is just so different i drive I draw the defender and then I hit them with a wraparound. It's much more simple than reading a guy zoning up and then properly acting on the decision. Uh, but I definitely do want to give him his credit there. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't feel uh, anything particularly uh, towards the rest of his, his passing. I mean, where are you at with that? Yeah, I, it's as I said, it's tough. I, you. And it's, I think about somebody even like Trey Mann in last year's draft class is relatively agreed upon that Trey Mann didn't have the requisite process uh, as we keep calling it uh, as a lead guard, but he was super, like he was capable. It was functional. He was able to make these inside out reads and even leverage some live dribble stuff and get to unique release points. Hardy isn't really doing that for me yet, uh, which is why it's, uh, it's still like a little step behind other than, as you mentioned, the wraparounds and drop-offs. So I don't even know if I'm like ready to call him like a fully functional passer because uh, he's still missing some of the passes in the books for me to even get there. But uh, I do think that is relatively uh, teachable and like low-hanging fruit if he is truly going to dr- garner defensive attention. That's another step of the equation. We did talk about his ability to get there uh, and like put pressure on the paint. However, it's not necessarily easy. Um, and we've kind of beat around the bush of him being a little bit underwhelming as an athlete. The burst isn't necessarily there. And there are plenty of times where he just kind of gets caught trying to do a little bit too much and then just kind of has nowhere to go. How confident are you in his like consistent ability to collapse the defense? Because I think it is a little bit situational. And as you mentioned, I also envision him being pick and roll heavy. And hopefully the jumper falls enough for where he can pressure defenses to then the guard has to go over the top and the big kind of has to get a little bit close level and respect his pull up and then he can play out of that because he does as even with us praising his handle and change of pace and all that he does run into some issues if we're talking about consistently breaking down defenses from a standstill yeah no i don't um i mean and it feels like anytime we do watch him if he is breaking the defense from a standstill it's okay pulling up from 16 feet um 
It's not yeah. getting downhill all the way. And I think unless he, and I, I mean, like generally I'd have to check the numbers, but I, I mean, his, his mid range shooting has been better than three, which is not saying anything to be, and I, I again, I don't mean that this to sound shitty. Like he just, matter of fact, he's not shooting more than three, but um, point being like, that's not a, a mode of offense that I think the NBA is, is that an NBA team is necessarily going to prioritize is the way that I would put it. Yeah. And I mean, and the only reason that I'm circling back to that is, as we've mentioned time and time again on this podcast, the more pressure you can put on defense, the easier your windows are, the less quote unquote process oriented or proactive oriented your playmaking has to be. And all of a sudden, if you're not consistently pressuring the defense and opening those windows and forcing their hand, we start to lean a little bit more on that manipulative passing, um, which as we kind of have agreed, isn't really there yet. So that's the only reason I want to bring that back. Before we move on, I want to hit on his defense. Um, cause it's kind of all over the place for me. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad as it could be. Um, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But it's not exact. I mean, like, I think it's like C minus, like a slightly below average for me. I think he's fine on the ball. Screens are a different story and off the ball is kind of a mess. But again, just to be fair, like the off the ball is a mess for that entire squad right now, other than Dyson at times. And it's just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, no, I think he, I mean, I think he does struggle at point of attack and you see those underwhelming athletic traits come to fruition yeah. off the ball. He'll have a nice like tag and steal every once in a while. I have, I've definitely have a couple of those clips on my computer, but more times than not, it's either late on the rotation and out of position, or, you know, there are also occurrences where he does make the right rotation, but it's just too undisciplined and gambles and gives up a layup rather than just rotating, going straight up. And if they beat you over the top, they beat you over the top. Um, that's nothing else you can do. You did your job. But if all of a sudden you make the right rotation and you gamble and you give up an open dunk, then that's not, you didn't really do your job. Uh, I, I don't really, again, it's kind of the same conversation that we've had before. I, if you like Jaden Hardy, you're not necessarily going to pass up on him because of the defense. Like, I think it's, I don't think it's good, but I don't really like it. As you said, it could be worse and we've seen worse. Um, it is interesting to me because if I, I don't know how big he truly is, as we talked about, but maybe, I mean, guarding twos, do you kind of see him as someone to guard both guard spots? I'd probably prefer to keep him off the quicker ones uh, yeah. just because he is kind of slower footed. Where do you kind of say on that? No, I'm there with you. Um, I do think like, I don't want to just say like, he's a guy who would really benefit from switching, but I do think like if you, you put him in a scheme, kind of like what Brooklyn does, just switching, um, not necessarily saying switching everything because I don't really want to see him on a bunch of bigger wings or anything, but he does have a good wingspan. He's strong. He's got a big chest. He's good at, you know, if he's able to be in front of somebody, he's fine. Um, I think that's kind of more the mode for him. Uh, and I agree with you. Like he just like, um, I think he's going to get to a point where he can be at least closer to neutral on defense, um, especially as if he keeps, you know, improving on his off ball stuff, but um, a lot of it's just going to be okay we got to make sure we're not asking him to chase over screens unless we think we can get him to a place where he's doing that well. Um, that's not, uh, and I mean, just to be fair, like, I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to be able to become awesome at that. Like he has a really hard body type to fight over screens with without having absurd athleticism. So like you're, he's already at a disadvantage there. Um, but again, like I think in the right system, he's going to be okay defensively. Yeah. I'm somewhat there with you. Um, Moving on to our next guy, you want to talk Dyson Daniels? Yes. Um, I like Dyson. He yeah. is not what I expected um, coming in. Uh, 
but he's still been a very fun player. Like to me, I think I was talking about this with you um, a couple days ago. And to me, he really projects a lot more as um, just like a fun connective wing. Like maybe if things really hit right for him, like a fourth or fifth starter, um, if he can really iron out some things shooting wise, which we'll talk about in a minute, but um, defensively, he's fantastic. Like I really enjoy the defense from him. Uh, he definitely has some strength issues. Like if, you know, I, right now he's much better as a, as a screen navigator, chaser, somebody playing at the nail than somebody playing at the point of attack. Um, but he's really good at using his length, um, really good at, you know, reaching it at the right time. Um, he's just got good timing instincts overall on defense and will make the right rotations too. So um, I feel really good about him projecting that. Uh, there's a lot more with his offense that, that I know we'll dive into as well. But I mean, what do you think of him just kind of off rip? No, I mean, I think what jumps off the page with him always from both ends of the ball is just a smart basketball player. Like every test that you present him with and you're like, oh, does an intelligent and quick processor solve this test? Like he usually does pretty well. Uh, plus one passer, quickly attacking closeouts, making the right read. As you said, digging in the nail. I was super effective there in the game against Ken Charge. A couple steals, digging and help. Um, making the right rotations. So the P, the point of attack stuff is interesting to me because I do think so. Like he has some strength issues when he goes against the guys who are too big, but then I think he's also he's not the quickest guy against like the smaller guards. But I do think his frame is pretty solid. I do think there is an avenue for him to be pretty effective against like the twos and threes, uh, probably especially threes. Um, but I, I it just the smart basketball player stuff. Uh, so it's. You said he's your fifth starter. You're not going to just totally rely on him to carry a huge load on either end of the floor. But in terms of just at sometimes blending in, especially with this Ignite team and not just being a glaring negative on any end of the floor is a pop is a plus. And like, I think that's a feather in his cap more than the others. Yeah. So, I mean, like I'm, I'm there in agreement with you to me, he's more of a two, three than, than anything else. Like, uh, yeah. And I think there's, again, it's more situational. Like, I think it's going to depend on, like, okay, let, let's say if, if they played the Miami Heat today, do I want him guarding Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson? Um, probably Tyler Hero, actually, now that I think about it, because Tyler's not super. That was that was a very random way to put it. But, like, <laughs> I was trying to think of, like, a team that has, like, a couple dynamic guards. Like, he's not the guy you're putting at the point of attack. It's just going to depend. Like, I think he's a guy, like, um, will be really interesting crowding smaller ball handlers who aren't super quick with his length. Um, and allowing allowing him to just bother them or being able to do things off the ball, um, but yeah, uh, we're we're in we're in locks up there. Offensively is where I think uh, I don't want to say Dyson has struggled the most this year. Um, there, I think there were expectations for him to do more on the ball, and he has operated a lot on the ball. But um, the efficacy is definitely something that we need to to bring up and talk about. Um, where. Okay, I'll let you start with this because I have, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, in the nicest way possible, he can't really dribble, like especially when faced with ball pressure. And I think that is probably the biggest disservice that Ignite has done him so far is employing him with these primary duties. Uh, that was the thing I was most excited for when they announced Scoot was coming was that, Hey, you've Dyson and Jaden, and I don't really want either of them operating as my primary. So give the ball to the 18 year old and let them rock. And I think Dyson has been overextended a little too often at times. There are all, there are also occurrences where he's off the ball and he gets a closeout. 
whether that's warranted or not, we'll discuss, but gets a closeout and is able to rip, get into the paint, make a decision, whether that be a drop-off or a floater, which I love his floater, his great touch. Um, and that's really been an avenue for him this year to score. Uh, it's a little bit, he struggles to score a little bit. And I think we'll talk about that, but the floater, he has that down pat. He's super comfortable with it, gets to it, goes to it maybe a little bit too much, but definitely an avenue for him to put the ball in the basket. Um, the problem is that, He's been really poor as a shooter, and we're talking about a connector. Connector's got to shoot the ball. And he, while Dyson does all these super interesting things that I think both of us are very intrigued by, if you don't need to close out on him and you're just going to sag, we're now talking about a connector-ish wing who doesn't really have a good enough handle to beat you off the bounce. The passing is good, but it's not really good enough to like move the needle. And the shooting, we're not drawing a closeout. So then... The problem is if we're not closing on him and we're just kind of leaving him off to do his thing on the perimeter, every all these other micro skills and ancillary skills that make him worthwhile kind of just take a hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I actually, so I want to expand on that too. I think to me, it's not that his handle is amazing or anything, but I think it's even more that he just doesn't have any burst. Like there are some really good moments of him, like he'll reject the screen and it, he gets a step, but then loses it if the defender is able to to make any kind of headway in, in recovery. And I think that's more where the issue lies in for me because he just doesn't have the burst, even if he is able to create any kind of advantage with his handle. It's not um, it's not really doing enough for him. Um, and like you're mentioning, I I don't know. I don't think I'm super. I don't want to say I'm not worried about him as a shooter. Like I do think um, he definitely needs to improve. Um, I I haven't exactly like dove into his mechanics other than saying, you know, I think his shot needs to be way quicker um, is a big issue right now. Like there was a moment, I think it was in, who is the team that has green uniforms in the G league? I'm trying to remember right now. I can't remember who they were playing against. Was it the herd game? Yes. It was the herd game. Uh, He gets the ball wide open in the slot and somebody closes from the top of the key, but they're like 10 feet away and he sidesteps because he sees the, the, the closeout coming in. And I'm like looking at that in the NBA. Like, I think there are some guys who are going to to sidestep and take it three from there. But like, for me, I need that guy to take that shot right away or drive in the paint. If you have that guy moving like in that kind of angle and, and the way that he's doing, because you that's inherently like a rotation having to happen there. So find a way to bend it or attack it. Um, so his shot needs to be quicker. I think his feet are kind of all over the place, in my opinion. Like they don't feel... Um, it, it doesn't feel like he's routinely getting the same kind of uh, like there are moments where his feet almost feel like they're at the same level. There are moments where his one foot's like, you know, a half step farther back than the other. It's just, there, there's a lot of weirdness there that I think can iron out. Um, and I think a lot of it's just going to be um, really focusing on his release and making it quicker. I do not have any idea if that is something that is super teachable or super capable of being worked out. Um, but I think that's definitely the avenue for him because like we talked about, like he's a guy who has to shoot it and shoot it well. And I think shooting it off movement too, like he's shown some interesting stuff um, as a movement shooter. Like, I don't think that like he's shown the ability to get there and be willing to take it. The, the, the shots are not falling, but um, I think some of his ability to get there is fine. But it's again, like, like we're talking about, it's just, it's gotta be there and it's gotta be consistent for him. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up the mechanics because when I did the FIBA stream with PD this past summer, uh, I brought up Dyson Daniels and we walked through a couple of clips and the biggest thing that jumped out of his shot was just he wasn't shooting the ball the same every single time. And that carried over to the 
start of the G League season. He seems to have ironed that out a bit now. Um, for this one, like you watch the recent games, right? Uh, for yeah. this, like in prep for this pod, I didn't really see a ton of mechanical inconsistencies. Um, maybe some smaller stuff, but you can go back to the clips of FIBA where it was like his entire release speed and dip and release point were all over the place different. So I'm glad that that's gotten ironed out a little bit. May I interest you in some shooting numbers? Uh, I guess. Yeah. So overall, just traditional split 25% from three on the year. And then when they're broken down, catch and shoot and off the dribble, he is shooting 12 of he's 12 of 42 uh, for, that is good for 28% on catch and shoot jumpers and on jump shots off the dribble. He is one for 14. Good for 7%. Uh, he actually had an off the dribble three in the Canton game. So I wonder yeah, if that was, that's uh, the that one. Was I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I wonder if that's the one or they've yet to add that in, but yeah, not great. And it's just super tough because he is someone that I'm very intrigued by. And he does a lot of really good things. And this is someone where if you have an organization who you super trust your shooting coach and you're kind of willing to give him anything and have faith that they will fix it, you'd have much, I'd have much, I'd have Dyson Daniels much higher than I would normally because um, he does do a lot of good things. And I truly believe that if the shot is worth closing out on, he could be a nice player. Uh, there are avenues for him to make a constant impact on the game on both ends, but it just does feel like there's a lot hanging on where the jump shot ends up yeah no definitely um i totally agree with you um so i i mean again i don't want to say that i'm not worried about him but like i think like you mentioned with the off the dribble shooting numbers the catch and shoot numbers aren't amazing but i think just from what we've seen i i feel confident that he's going to be able to be that um and i i I mean just projecting out his role he's not going to be a guy who needs to take off the dribble threes or should take off the dribble threes in the nba i mean if that happens awesome but um so less about that for me and more about ironing out his role as a, as a connector. Like we've talked about, let's talk about his passing um, and just playmaking in general. Um, especially like you mentioned, like when he does get off downhill off the catch, I think that's where he makes some of his more advanced reads, like just, you know, reading off of a bent defense already and, and making a good pass. Like he'd make some really quality passes once he touches the paint outside of that though, I feel like he's just, and I don't mean this is a slight, but he's just a pretty like, average playmaker like um that's a good thing it's good to be average at playmaking like that's that's a very positive thing um like he's not doing he's not i i can't remember watching him throw a skip pass in any of the games that um that that i went through and i don't mean that like not that skip passes or everything but if you're going to be an advanced playmaker who's operating out of ball screen ball screens you need to be able to um to generate some, some better passes like that and, or more advanced reads like that. And that hasn't necessarily been his thing. I think part of it is just because he can't really um, he's not able to move the defense himself. So it's harder to actually make those passes. So I do wonder if it would look different if he did have, you know, a better handle or different burst, but that's not where we're at. Um, But overall, like you mentioned, I think, especially like uh, just being able to quickly make decisions and make the right decisions is a huge part of a guy who's, who's tamping down to be a role player. So um, I'm pretty encouraged at what he looks like right now with that. Yeah, the way I would phrase the playmaking is essentially if there is a read to be made, he'll make it. If yeah. you're putting the read in front of him and there's very clearly a defensive rotation going on and there's just a plus one to be made or when you drive here and someone sinks, 
this is the read to make. I trust him. Like I trust him to operate there. He's a good decision maker and a good processor of the game. But as you talked about, not really moving the needle with these advanced reads. I do think in part, it's just because he's not able to move the defense, as you said, with the handle, just putting that pressure on them and forcing them to rotate. But I'm confident that like, if there's a plus one pass we made, or if there is a dump off to be made, he'll make the right decision. But yeah, I'm not really relying on him to kind of push the boundaries as a playmaker. Yeah, no, we're in lockstep there. Is there anything else you want to hit on with him before we move on? No, I kind of feel like that's the idea. Uh, this two-way wing who can do a little bit of everything, and if the jumper hits, could maybe expand his arsenal a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, yeah, let's move on to talk about Marjan Beauchamp, um, who might be my favorite player to watch on this Ignite squad, actually. I really like him. Um, I guess how do- – <laughs> He is so hard to to understand and project because I uh, not that I've gotten lower on him necessarily, but I felt a lot more um, like watching him earlier in the G League season. I was like, oh, man, like I totally see it like he's he's really good. I still think he's a, a quality prospect, but I just have a lot more like what am, exactly am I or is he doing at the next level? Like what can he come in and do right now? Um, cause I texted you about this earlier today. Obviously it's not like an actual one-to-one comp, but I, I texted you like, it feels like I'm watching Keon again, because if he doesn't get any kind of, you know, generation off the dribble, he's backing somebody down in the post. And like, he actually, it, it's kind of like a nice thing to have in your bag or whatever, but not to the extent that he has to get to it and having it be like an escape or a release valve. Um, where do you want to start with him? Because he is, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely a little bit of a wonky prospect. Yeah. Us binging Ignite, it cooled me on Marjan a little bit. And I kind of recognized that I was watching Ignite in spurts, like a game here, a game there. And his game as a prospect is very conducive to that because it's kind of just flashes on flashes. Like, oh, that's a really nice one pull up. Oh, it's a really nice rip from a closeout and getting to the rim for an and one. And when you kind of watch these games consecutively back to back to back, just like, oh, that creation is much more situational than I kind of thought it was at first. It's a lot of buckets in transition. It's a lot of flashes for a catch-and-shoot mid-range. The defense sags way under, and he walks right into a mid-range pull-up. There are definitely some eye-opening stuff, uh, especially when we're talking about, like, a a pull-up mid-range. The jumper is a little funky. Like, there's nothing mechanically wrong. It just – it doesn't – make like, I think there is probably some stuff to clean up. Especially he feels very with the flat when body. he takes it from three. Like, yeah, his feet like, with, just like kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. His feet just kind of like it feels like his upper body is like very into the shot, and his feet just kind of like, Bleh. It, like yeah. I, people can't see what I just did, but like literally, it just feels like his feet <laughs> are like dead fishing um, when he takes a three. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and I like I was super intrigued by him as this ancillary wing. You don't need to run stuff for him. He'll just find ways. He can attack closeouts. Hopefully, he draws them. And then when you kind of step back, it's like, oh, this is much more just relying on being the right place at the right time, which is probably a skill Um, and give him credit for knowing when to hover around cut or flash to the middle for a pull up or for a catch and shoot. But it's a lot more situational to me than I initially thought. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. But I actually I would argue, too. um, And I uh, excluding Scoot, I guess. But um, like, I think he has the best feel of the four ignite prospects this year. Like he moves really well without the ball. Like you mentioned, he's just good at, at functioning and flowing in the offense, even though it's a clunky offense. Um, 
And like you mentioned, I think that is a skill. Like um, if you're going to be a guy who's thriving on the margins, you have to be able to actually do it. And I think he's shown some of that. Um, what's interesting too, like I, and what, what makes him again, harder to, to try and understand, like he does show some real qualities of facilitator too. Not that I think he's like a groundbreaking passer or anything, but out of ball screens, he's a really solid passer. Like he's good at, um, you know, throwing an overhand or he's thrown some capability to throw pocket passes pretty well. Um, like there's really something there and a lot's just going to depend on what he can do more as an off the dribble shooter from three or just a shooter from three in general. But um, like the pull up shooting from two is actually pretty solid. I need to check the yeah. numbers, but like his form is really good. He doesn't hesitate. He just does it. Um I guess that gets well. Where are you at with this handle? I guess that's where we should go next. So I don't really love the handle. Uh, it's like a little loose. He does like the Bob Cousy thing sometimes. Where like he'll dribble this right hand going left. Um, I just it's not super advanced to me, and I think it's prone to losing it a, like a little bit. I was a little shocked because when I had heard about Marjan, like I hadn't watched him in high school, but I had heard he was just this like obviously Seattle basketball players. Like we know what we think of when we think of Seattle basketball players, just bag on bag on bag. And that's what I heard about Marjan and the average 30 or whatever it was in Juco. So I was expecting him to come into the G League like straight crossing and yanking dudes. And like that's not really what we see. Um it's there are moments in transition where it gets a little bit loose and he gets stripped uh, in the half court prone to digs and stunts and things of that nature. But there is, he is very comfortable. I do want to hit on, as you mentioned, the one drill pull up. That's probably where the flashes are most consistent for me. If the defense does go under a bit, or even he just gets a little bit of space ripping off a closeout. He's super comfortable there. Good release point. It's he flows into a pretty fluid. That's probably the biggest flash thing for me that, Every time I think I like I'm lowering and have it figured out, he hits a one drill pull up and I'm like, God oh, damn, that looks pretty smooth. Um, and then over time you're reminded of it, but I, I'm not super into the handle in terms of creation from like a stand still, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm like super there with him as creating from a standstill, but I, I think we must have seen different games because I do like I did notice a couple of times where he was able to do it. Um, he has a has he going left and he's shown it going right too, but it's more going left. But his hesitation was actually pretty good, and he's able to get get guys with that. Um, again, I, I agree. Like the the handle isn't like anything exemplary, but uh, the I don't know. He just has like a real funk with the ball, which sounds like this is like the worst mouse I've ever given. I feel like, but um, he moves so weird with the ball. Like I don't know how else to explain it. Like he's like you mentioned doing like kind of the koozie dribble, like he's moving sideways and, and forward at the same time. And it feels like he can really catch people off guard with it. Um, part of the issue is he's only able, again, like it's really only the hesitation move is like really the only main setup that I feel like he has right now, but it's still something. I think that you can, you we've seen guys who are able to like work into having more in the repertoire. I think that, um, you know, it's pretty routine for guys who, especially who handle the ball a decent amount in the NBA to really iron out their, handles and have them be tighter um even if you're not necessarily going to start being able to string together some crazy advanced combos i do think we've seen guys who are able to really ring things in um i do wonder what if part of it like is is where he is with his body like he plays pretty low to the ground with his chest but his i feel like his hips and legs are always up pretty high like he's never really bent down he like bends he kind of leans forward but doesn't really uh play back on on his heels at all like he's always on the balls of his feet 
So I feel like, I mean, that kind of contributes to where he's at, at the rim. Like he can have some really cool flashes of getting to the rim. And, um, but I feel like because of the weirdness of how he gets there, um, it ends up being some wonky finishes around there as well. But overall, like, I do think there is something really interesting there as just, a. and again, I don't think it's out of like creating out of a standstill necessarily, but you know, as somebody who could operate out of ball screens and not just be a closeout attacker, I think that there's something there. Yeah, I do want to kind of interject with one very unfortunate and important fact. He's six months younger than Ochai Baji, and that's why the bar is kind of different. Like, if he was doing this as like an 18 or 19 year old, I think I'd be much more intrigued. But it's kind of the idea that, oh, this is not essentially what we're working with, but if you're drafting older players and I'm, there are definitely people that are much more keen on age uh, than I am. But at some point you do have to say, Oh, like obviously development isn't linear, but he is 21 or he's 21 right now. It's going to be 22 before NBA, the NBA season starts. The bar gets a lot, a little bit higher uh, in terms of what you're looking for as a prospect. So I, I do think that is necessary to insert into the conversation and kind of you just take everything that we've talked about, which is, yeah, the handle's good, but it's not necessarily great. I kind of trust him to create in spurts, but maybe not. I think you're higher on the handle and overall creation than I am, which is totally fine. Um, but just, yeah, it's more situational. It, it just makes the pitch for him towards, like, the lottery a little bit more difficult for me. Yeah, and I can't get there with lottery right now, for being honest. Like, I, I don't have, like, a concrete board, but I would probably not put him in my lottery right now. But I also don't think i put any of the Ignite guys in my lottery right now. No, so, I would not. Well, not – I don't think. Like, I know I wouldn't put any of the Ignite guys in my lottery right now. But, yeah. So, do you want to talk about the defense real quick before we move on? Because yeah. the defense was initially – I remember in the beginning of the Ignite season, we were talking, we were like, I don't know what Marjan does, but, like, he just does a lot of cool things. And I think as we've – noted like that still is happening but the point that jumped out to both of us was the point of attack defense uh, it was energetic he was getting into guys stuff sliding with them uh, as the season's gone on I think he's gotten burned there a little bit more than he was in the beginning of the year especially when matched up against the quicker guards but their possessions when he gets either a bigger two or a three who isn't necessarily able to punish him with strength because he is a little bit wiry and he looks really good there uh, so I do I do want to spend some time talking about the point of attack defense. Yeah, I'm there with you too. Um, I, at least in my watching, I didn't feel like he's awesome getting around screens. Like that's something that he'll have to work on for sure. Um, but I think it's more because he doesn't always see them coming um, and can be pretty engaged on the ball. Um, I, I agree with you too. I think he's a lot more of like, I don't really see him as somebody you should really, not that he should never defend ones, but like for the most part, that's no, not a should. thing. Defend, defend twos, defend threes, maybe some fours situationally. Um, but he's really good at using his length. And I feel like he's, he's pretty strong too. Like he's got decent strength. He's not like an, an outlier there, but he's good at using it. Um, I feel like, I, I don't, I, I don't know if I noticed it as much in the recent games I watched too, but earlier in the season, like you mentioned, he had some really interesting rotations as a backline guy too. Like he had some kind of awesome verticalities around the rim. Like, I don't think he's going to be a, a weak side shot blocker or anything like that, but I do think he's uh just in terms of adding a rangy ground coverage athlete, like he definitely has the ability to be a plus defensively for sure. Yeah. The off ball stuff and rotations has sort of 
fizzled out a little bit uh, in the recent viewings, at least in the games that I've watched. He's not a negative there. Um, I don't think so, at least. But in terms of being a plus difference maker, start to see it a little bit less. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're ready to move on to Mike. Uh, this is where it gets a little bit harder with Ignite. I think not that we defer on on Mike. Like I, uh, I think that Michael Foster Jr. is an NBA prospect, but the pitch for him is really tough. Um, and I don't mean this in in a, in a way to slight him. I think just to be fair, like it's really tough to go from being the best player on your team to being the fourth best player on on your prep squad. That's going to uh, you know that's trying to prepare you for the NBA. Like he has some, he definitely has an overshooting tendency at times. Um, like I texted you this the other day. I was like, oh, Mike's going off right now. Like he had a stretch in, I think the Long Island game, where he had like three straight buckets. I think it was like two threes. One of them, one of them was a pull up, and then he had a pull up two. And then he took like two or three really rough early shot clock shots. Um, I do think he's reigning in his shot selection a little bit from where it was earlier in the year, especially with Scoot there now um, over the last couple months. But, um, He's definitely in the same boat to me as Jaden Hardy. Like he has to shoot, shoot to really make sense as an NBA prospect. Um, it's he's got kind of a wonky shot too. Like he does like that kind of trebuchet motion, like throwing it behind his head. When it goes in, it looks nice. But he's again, somebody who's had some really weird misses. Um, he's mostly a below the rim athlete right now. Like he can have some okay stuff around the rim, but um, I feel like his numbers are really buoyed by putbacks. Uh, Cause if he like, he'll, he has some very rough misses at the rim. Um, he just has rough misses in general, but offensively, like the, I think the idea of him is somebody who is like a really interesting pick, pick and pop big. If the three can hit more and he can iron out consistent consistency as a jump shooter. Sure. But outside of that, it's really hard to see um, the value that he's going to necessarily bring as an offensive player. Yeah, I'm so happy you took the lead on this one because uh, to me, he's just not really a prospect. Like if we're going to cut to the chase and be real here, like to me, it, I mean, if I sure we can talk about, oh, late second round or you might as well take a flyer. Like to me, this is not someone I'm necessarily interested in drafting. Uh, the defense is really the killer to me. Uh, it's just his pick and roll coverage, uh, the lateral mobility. He has a couple blocks here and there, but his feel as a defender is just really poor. And uh, the offense. Yeah. yeah, And the offense, it's just, he's not going to be my best player on offense. And I really struggle with the fact when he gets the ball, everything kind of just stops uh, for at night. He he does just doesn't really have a feel for playing within the flow of offense. And yes, he will make some tough shots here and there, but in terms of someone I'm betting on or even taking a flyer on, uh, it's just the approach for me is kind of where I lose interest. Well, yeah, and I think it's really tough because, uh, like, I, I do think I'm higher on him as a prospect than you. Not that I think, like, again, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I think he's a guy who has second-round intrigue, but not necessarily for my organization. Like, I think you're asking a lot to see if he's going to be able to change up his wiring and uh, – be able to function in a, in a, in a different role. Um, because even though he like, um, I think part of what's been so tough about this ignite team is that it doesn't feel like there are concrete roles outside of, you know, Dyson bringing the ball up court. That's like the main yeah. defined role is okay. Dyson's going to bring the ball up and then things will happen in the offense. Um, and that's, what's been really tough and seeing how they 
really struggle to coalesce. Uh, that's been different from last year. Uh, I, I think like, I don't know, at least like defensively, I, I think he does have, so like you mentioned, the, the, uh, the feels are in protectors and great. He can have some okay moments of verticality and he has decent length. Um, I do think his feet are okay. Like they're not amazing, but I do think there's maybe some stuff like, okay, if he can really, um, you know, hone in on it and, and work on being more of a switchy guy between fours and fives, like there's something you could see there. The, he really struggles as a drop defender right now. Um, he's improved a lot throughout the season, but that's more of a, where he was at the beginning compared to where he is now. Um, I still like, again, I, I do think that there is something there is, you know, becoming a rotation big who can, who can be a, a shooter um, who maybe he can operate more as a DHO ball handler, which is like, I really wish that we saw more of that from ignite. I, I do think that uh, if there was something there with him, we could see that. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like a lot of it's just uh, you're asking a lot in terms of wiring change. And I think it's kind of like uh, like looking at like what happened with Isaiah Todd last year. Like Isaiah Todd was able to make that shift into being more of a role player with Ignite. And uh, that hasn't really happened for Mike yet. I hope that it can happen at the next level. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, we're, we're in the same boat right now. Yeah, I, that was the thing. And I, I, I really do love that you mentioned Isaiah Todd because – Isaiah Todd and Michael Foster pre-college were very similar. Uh, just no process, jack and jumpers. And Todd still still did his fair share of that with Ignite. Yeah. Like I don't want to paint him as like the perfect model citizen, but you could tell there were strides to be made. Uh, he was trying a little bit harder. He was leaning into the defensive side of the ball where he was switchable and had good feet and had good ground coverage. The offense still was far from perfect and he had his fair share of forced isos and yeah but he showed a lot more of a shooter too like 100 one of the and, best and, but, screen and pop guys that i think was in yep. the draft flash sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but I was just thinking. no no but I, I it's and it's it's the perfect comparison year to year it's the same exact team ignite same exact context obviously you don't have the stars of kaminga and green but it, it's still sort of some sort of hierarchy and i think despite all the contested jumpers and isos todd sort of understood his spot on the totem pole maybe not so much but like definitely more than foster has and and i just think like if like i'm not saying every prospect shouldn't say this but mike foster plays like he's the number one option on this team and he shouldn't be and i just don't really love that projection wise if we're talking about slotting in a particular role player as you mentioned, we're talking about a big wiring shift here that I personally uh, would be skeptical of making in my organization. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, you want to move on and talk about Scoot for a minute because he is very fun yes. to watch and talk about. Yes, Scoot is incredible. Um, I, I wasn't sure how he how he would look as a 17, now 18-year-old uh, playing against Ignite. Then he kind of came out of the gate sprinting. Uh, with those first couple of games, like in the high twenties, I think he even had a 30 piece has slowed down a bit. And there are definitely some times where it's just like, Hey, this, this is your high school senior point guard learning on the fly. Uh, most notably forcing the short mid range pull-ups and transition or in contested windows. But man, he is doing a lot of special things. Uh, how he looks as an athlete compared to everyone else in the court is Insane. fucking wild. Like as an 18 year old who should be in high school and is like very clearly the best athlete on the floor. 
by a landslide. Uh, the stuff he does and how easy some of the blow by just simple blow bys look is pretty incredible. Um, definitely making some intriguing reads to me. Uh, could be could, definitely has room to improve there, and that'll be something I'll be holding him to a higher standard in his draft year. But for now, just entertaining skip passes, somewhat reading the low man, getting to the rim and making the right drop off, uh, all stuff that I love to see. But the, my biggest takeaway is just how special the first step and athletic tools still look against G-League competition, com- even com- compared to how they did in high school. Yeah, I mean, he's the best athlete on the floor most nights when they play, which is kind of insane. Uh, like, Marjan is a plus athlete, like a significant plus athlete. And, I mean, uh, Scoot just kind of blows him out of the water. Um, how have you felt about the jumper? So, it's interesting. This is I, – when I wrote about Scoot in high school, it was – he was much more comfortable shooting as a pull-up guy. Uh, he get He's much more – fluid when he gets elevation and he leverages the pull up and the one two or the hop to get to rise up and shoot at the top the catch and shoot i think he had a catch and shoot jumper in one of the games i watched but the stuff from three isn't great Uh, the shot's still a little flat um and i think that's def that's probably gonna be the biggest point of emphasis for him this offseason because he's gonna see under uh i don't know how much in the end it's gonna matter but that's all he's gonna see uh you'd be a fool to go over the top of his screens and I think that's definitely the biggest area for improvement. I've encouraged to see, I've, I've encouraged by the results in the mid range that I don't know what the numbers are. I should probably check that. Anecdotally, I've been encouraged by some of the mid range stuff and his confidence and his fluidity there, but definitely areas for concern from behind the arc. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm right there with you. And again, we're an anti-numbers pod, so don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> um, not actually, but yeah, the, you know, the vibe check is important. Um, well, Jake, do you have anything else you want to close out on? I think that just about wraps us up for, uh, for GLI. Yeah, no, I mean, that's all I had. I had one last note. Um, Scoot versus Wemby at the top of 2023 is going to be very fun. I still have Wemby there, number one, but I have seen some stuff on the timeline that Scoot is, he has to be number one. He's got to be number one. I think Wemby was hurt for a good amount of time. Uh, so that'll definitely think that recency bias as we know no one on twitter struggles the recency bias i can never say that um, <laughs> yeah well it's but, all fun and games until derek whitehead takes over the number one spot from both but we'll see what happens man and nick smith but i'm okay. just kidding it's not gonna happen <laughs> but yeah it sounds nice uh well yeah man i think that closes out for us to everyone listening thank you for listening if you haven't already please be sure to rate and review us over on apple podcasts or on spotify you can rate us there too Uh, And most importantly, have a good rest of your day. And thank you for listening.